0: The Car Dealer Podcast is sponsored by SalesLink from Jato, a market insight tool that's purpose built for franchise car dealers. Get analysis on thousands of new vehicle transactions every month from all the major brands. See model mix and trim data for the brands you sell, as well as competitor data, all in the free web-based platform. It lets you track vehicle option uptake, colour preferences, and gives detailed data on pricing and discounts. Sign up for your free SalesLink account today. Visit jato.com slash saleslink to start unlocking your market insights.
1: Welcome back to the Car Dealer Podcast. If you haven't listened before, we pick our favorite stories of the week and ask an industry guest to choose which were the best. I'm John Ray and joining me this week is founder of this podcast, Rebecca Chaplin. Rebecca, Hello. lovely to have you on. How are Hi, you? John.
2: I'm great. I was literally thinking yesterday, I missed doing the podcast. And then <laughs>
1: well, you can have I'm it back. That's absolutely fine. On. It's all yours.
2: No, I don't miss doing it every single week. <laughs> but it's quite well, nice to occasionally like this and not have to do all the intro and stuff.
1: That's true. I mean, it's a it's a nice yardstick for my my week is that mm. I know I have to say that collection of words on friday morning but anyway
2: also you find you're like oh my god i can't believe i'm doing the podcast again (laughs) it's only been three days
1: yes that's exactly it yeah oh no it's been a week you know when it's been a busy week
2: Hmm.
1: anyway what have you been up to
2: what haven't i been up to um i don't know it doesn't really feel like a lot obviously it was used car awards last week and last week yes i wasn't even there i think it was yeah it was we're just like tumbling towards christmas now Hmm. and apart from the usual stuff i'll do a little a little plug from the nada trip we're trying to organize which is oh, yes. slightly taking up a bit of my time this week but um yeah it's all, all not particularly exciting as we wind down for christmas or so doesn't really feel like we're slowing down at all
1: nope yes yeah, so speaking of that that nada trip um so we are organized or you are organizing specifically um mm. a trip to nada which this year is in las vegas isn't it yeah. um so details on our are on our website you do unfortunately have to pay um <laughs> but that is the nature of travel what can i say uh but that looks i'm quite jealous mm. of anyone going because that does look like quite a trip um but anyway before we plug any more i will introduce our guests this week it's will blackshaw from dealer group Blackshaws, Will, lovely to have hello, you on.
3: Uh, hello and thanks for inviting me back. Um, it's been a while, so glad to be back and hope you had some value. Well,
1: I'm sure you will. It certainly has been a while, actually, hasn't it? Just for anyone listening who's not come across your Black Shores, which I don't think is many people, tell us a little bit about you and your business.
3: So in a nutshell, we're based in North Northumberland, um, approximately half an hour north of Newcastle. Sometimes we're thought to be Scottish, but we're not. We're just south of the Scottish border. Uh, So we've got two sites, uh, one being MG and Suzuki, uh, and the other site um, in a town called Mortworth, so a little bit south of uh, the the first site where we represent Sangyong and Isuzu. So we've got a a good mix in two, what I'd describe as probably medium-sized businesses. Um, Family business still, me and my sister, uh, we inherited the business from our dad um and the business has been running for 104 years um Ooh. so we're fourth generation um and one day it'd be nice to think that become fifth generation i can retire but at the minute not quite at that stage just yet but uh you gotta have a it's vision you have gotta have a vision
1: absolutely i didn't realize it was it was that old actually i thought it was perhaps just you were second generation but
3: well, yes yeah, i'm so, um, doing a podcast yeah, no, Um, if you go on our website, we've got a nice history section, so you can read up on on it, and um, maybe we get a bit more exciting.
1: That's me not doing very good research. Um, <laughs> it, As you say, it's been a little while since you were last on, I had to flick back through our podcast to see when it was, I think it had just been just after you'd taken on the MG franchise, possibly, which is probably right. quite, quite a long time ago. Yeah, though, things- that'll
3: be about two years ago, I think that'll, it'll be coming up three years, sorry, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I think we all lost
3: a year because of COVID, didn't we? We didn't tell the yeah. years.
1: That's the excuse I'm using anyway. Yeah. How have things been for you in the last year?
3: Um, surprisingly, um, this year's been very good overall. Um I think though, what I feel the problem, I don't know if it's a problem as such, but we don't seem to have consistency in the in, in the game anymore. Mm. Um we are we had a very, very strong August. One of the we still had an okay September, but it wasn't a September like September should be. Uh, October was sadly a, a little bit slow. November's finished very well. Mm. December's tracking okay, and it's like, <laughs> what's going on? Um, we're trying to understand it, but I think it's at the point where, as you said before, it's, be, it's come towards the end of the year. I think I'm going to stop worrying about it um, mm. and just start focusing now, ready for, for next year. Um, so, um, okay. Is there
2: anything that does particularly well
3: for you at, at the moment? Not really. Um, like We've got such a diverse sort of offering um you know as we said there we're sitting there with mg as a franchise pushing the electric vehicles as hard as we can um trying to obviously advertise the benefits of that through uh petrol hybrids uh which are self-charging for those that aren't ready uh, but then some people i think see the word hybrid and think they've got to plug it in so you try to educate customers look it's a self-charging hybrid oh well what's these plug-in ones well yes we do have a plug-in one as well uh through uh yeah, we still have a diesel pickup truck available um for the the business user that still needs something like that but also wants the advantages of benefit and kind over an electric car so you know you could have a business user whom they're looking for the, the 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 tax element angle on it and they're looking at an electric car but also they're then looking at a diesel pickup truck and it's like one extreme to the other mm-hmm. um so but also then back at you know back to COVID, which I know still keeps cropping into conversations you know you Pre-COVID, as a, as a business, we wouldn't sell anything non-franchise to us. um. So if it didn't have one of our badges, it would go straight into a trade section. Not if it went. Anything slightly older, over four-year-old, or maybe 40,000 mile plus, that wasn't our um, stock profile. We then had to start selling stuff like that because we couldn't get the new stock. And now we're trying to also keep that going as well as our traditional new car sales and and uh. Obviously, there's a bit of a gap at the minute with nearly new cars, so to speak. Um, So we're trying to do, dare say, a bit of everything. Uh, And I think because of our geographical location, it's good to have as much variety as possible. Um, Like I'm sitting there thinking, what have I done this year? And suddenly I'm looking back, we've built another workshop to to handle older vehicle parks, see more vehicles come in. Valuation of vehicles is, is so inconsistent. So we've built a new reporting system on that so that we can see changes of prices of cars overnight, uh, service and MOT right. reminder system. Uh, we've we re-honed that to target specific emails to specific car users, as opposed to this sort of uh, general one that advertises everything. Um, we've extended our forecourt uh, to have more cars on display. So it actually has been quite a busy year, which is probably why I'm tired and ran out of thinking space in my head of <laughs> why things happening like they are. But... Um, we're working very hard put it that way
1: well that's good to hear i mean speaking of evs i have to ask the ev question
3: how (laughs) how has it been
1: for you in the location that you're in because i'm correct me if i'm wrong you're not near any enormous cities which i would immediately think is um ev territory but how i mean how have how are people around you Coping with EVs, are they are they actively interested, or is it? I mean, obviously, some business users, as you say, but what about yeah. private
3: customers? Yeah, we're doing okay with it. Um, we're not doing high volume, but geographically, again, we're in a small town population of I think approximately 12,000 people. So it's not, as you're right to say, it's not a city, it's a very small town. Annick, it is famous for where Harry Potter was filmed, though. So a lot of people actually have heard of it. Um, mm-hmm. but what I'll be totally open and honest electric cars. Uh, when anybody asks me about them, today they're not for everybody. But if it does work for you, they're exceptional. And what I mean by that is, as I said right at the beginning there, we're about 30 miles north of Newcastle.
0: Hmm. If
3: you're commuting to Newcastle every day in a petrol car, and suddenly you can charge, let's say, you've got the confidence of 150-mile range to maybe 200 in some cars, give or take, you know, 60-mile day one, 120-mile day two, day three, you're getting you're getting towards a full week on a charge of going to Newcastle and back from where we are. So if if you were putting fuel in traditionally, you are saving quite a bit of money in that respect. Um, so there is interest in it. Um, I think there's this perception of um, oh well, there's no infrastructure. Well, you don't need an infrastructure if you can charge at home. So that's what I mean. If it works for you. It can, and we all we've all driven electric cars more or less now in the industry. We know they're a very nice experience, so it's just a case of having them available. And as I said before, we're still selling petrol hybrid stuff for those that aren't quite comfortable to take the step. So, um, we're not doing hundreds and hundreds by any means, but um, we are offering them, and there is a growing in interest in them. Um, and I think as long as we're geared up ready to offer them, then we're not frightened of them by any means. Mm. i think it
1: will just continue to get better and better um so yeah you mentioned um you mentioned october wasn't particularly wonderful for you and it's a bit of a mystery as to what's going on at the minute but have you have you noticed any from customers any change in behavior in terms of cost of living crisis you know are they coming in and with let's say they're coming in with their swift and leaving with a an ignis or something you know they're downgrading or
3: we're seeing a little bit of it um again um i use our website data as a bit of a barometer of what's going on and i am seeing valuations of more expensive cars against cheaper cars is a bit more of a common theme um speaking to more say friends um, and sort of relatives etc i think it's the mortgage element that's influencing people's buying decision and um, mm. like gas and electric we've kind of dare I say we've absorbed that or accepted where we are with that but mm-hmm. now the next challenge is, is mortgage uh, increases which speaking to, just getting feedback from other people is on average people are going up around two to three hundred pound a month um that's your car payment um, and yeah. so i think that's one of the challenges and i think people are looking at cheaper ways of of running a vehicle um which doesn't help us when the cost of new cars over the last two years have just increased and increased. Um, not as many APR offers on it that we used to enjoy, and um, you know, for the majority of the generations, we've we've never experienced APRs above ten percent for a lot of years. Um, whereas people sort of um, who've bought cars longer than us, should we say? they remember these higher APRs. So I think that's a, another challenge. So you, I think you're right, John, what you're saying. And we are seeing evidence of that. People looking at, I wouldn't say downgrading, but looking to mm. reduce costs of running a vehicle.
1: Is that influencing the kind of used stock that you're keeping? I,
3: I think it's given us confidence to have it, whereas mm. we wouldn't, uh, you know, um we're seeing, like, as I said before, we'd probably never sell anything over a four-year-old at mm. um, like yesterday. You know we're a main dealer, but we we sold a sixty four plate uh, Vauxhall Aguila uh, with fifty thousand mile on the clock. Mm. Uh, we've got the confidence now that you know as long as you prep these cars correctly, um, we still put a twelve month warranty on them uh, despite the age because we you know we want customers being protected. Um, and touch touch wood as I tap my head there. I know this is audio only. Um, we're not seeing too many issues, which I think we were frightened we every single one would come back broken. I think that was mm. our perception uh, but as with like where do you draw the line I, I don't know but you know we we prep a, that car the same as we would a two-year-old um 20 grand car Um so i think as long as you're prepping them correctly and you're backing yourself up with a warranty um, there's not really an issue as such hmm
1: interesting food for thought well i will get us onto our stories because I'm sure we'll start cannibalising them if we talk any longer. Um, <laughs> so if you haven't listened before, Rebecca and I have chosen our favourite stories from the dealer website this week. We don't know what each other has chosen, and we're going to have a chat about each one as we go through. At the end, Will gets to decide whose stories were the best and who is the winner. If you want to play along, which I doubt because I don't think anyone's ever done this, you can tweet us <laughs> at, at Mag and let us know if you think we've missed anything. I lost last week. Uh, so I'm going to let Rebecca Chaplin go first. I knew you were going to
2: say that to me. <laughs> um, I There is lots and lots of news this week. So I have sort of bundled together quite a lot of my stories, which I'm worried you're going to be like annoyed with me. But anyway,
1: Raising my eyebrows is all I'm saying.
2: <laughs> um, the first story I've gone for um, is about Lookers, which we actually had two stories about this week, but I sort of think they're, well... I'll allow it. And- they're not necessarily related, but you could read between the lines and say that there's potentially something going on. Anyway, well, yeah, um, the first bit of news was that uh, CEO, Mark Rayburn, is stepping down by the end of the year, um, which is not something that's been officially confirmed by lookers so far, but there was a leaked document that was sent out to um, all of their staff saying that he would be leaving. Very nice note, personal a personal note from him saying about how much he'd enjoyed working with them all over the past five years. Um, they've obviously just been bought. Um, Mm -hmm. so potentially it's uh he's looking to move on after what I'm sure has been a very stressful time. Um, but also the news came out uh just a few days later that um even though staff have been told that there was going to be no changes after the company was bought, uh, they're actually going to be making some big redundancies, particularly at their head office, um, where they've been told about 75% of staff are at risk three weeks before christmas um which is not yeah which i thought was the most shocking news of the week you sort of know that things are going to change when something like that happens but yeah when i saw that they've been told nothing was gonna there would be no big changes and then redundancies just before christmas is not what you want to hear
1: Hmm. and this has all happened quite quickly really isn't it i mean it only seems like i don't know two weeks ago it wasn't two weeks ago it's more than that but it doesn't seem that long ago we were talking about the takeover on the podcast and all this sort of stuff. And this yeah, you're right. This it's it might just be coincidence that these two things are happening at once, mm. but it's not the greatest of starts. Um no. certainly but for
2: employees. We don't know who's going to take over from Mark yet. Mm. We don't know if they have anyone to take over from Mark yet. It was going back, whatever five years, it was there was a bit of time, wasn't there, before he actually officially took over as
1: yeah, CEO, I think, did he um, did he come in after the sort of, there was some accounting yes. issues, should we say? Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: and I have a feeling, I might be completely wrong, but I have a feeling he was um, sort of interim CEO for a bit and then became actual CEO. Um, but it does seem like it's very difficult to fill these top jobs um, mm. in the motoring industry. So it'd be interesting to see.
1: Yeah, I would have my money on them having... Someone in mind already, and possibly it might be a Canadian.
0: Yes, maybe, Canadian company,
1: isn't it? It might be that they parachute someone in. Mm. We'll see. Will, have you been following this?
3: Uh, very briefly, like again, we're quite rural and away from the city of all the excitement with these sort of businesses, you look at as virtues, um, businesses of that size. It always amazes me, though, when, as, as you rightly say. Look, um, looks like the sale's finally going through um, from a Canadian company. Like, I would not even know what companies exist in Canada, and it just—it does amaze me how people think. Oh, let's go and buy a business halfway around the world. Um, it just—it just absolutely astonishes me. Um, and as you rightly say, how do they find somebody? But if you're making big changes from a business point of view, you'd like to think you've got somebody lined up. I think it's a little mm-hmm. bit like football before your manager goes. You, you've earmarked whom who the the replacement will be, but um, and obviously the redundancy thing it's it, it's never nice. Um, luckily, we've never ever been even close to having to discuss it as a business. Um, if we're getting quiet, our conversation is how do we how do we sell more, as opposed to how do we cut costs from a staffing point of view. I hope we never ever find ourselves in that position, um, especially when we're the size we are. You know, you know all your staff you know, all your staff's partners, you know, who's got kids. It's mm. such an emotional conversation to have. Um, so hopefully we'll never be in that scenario. But I understand it's economies of scale, it's business. Um, I'm just glad we don't have to have them conversations and hopefully never will. What you're mm. saying
1: is your door is closed to any Canadian investors Um <laughs>
3: <laughs> well back to my point of hope about retirement um <laughs> there's always a price isn't there there's always a price so. <laughs> you can tweet me as well if you if, if anyone's listening so.
1: <laughs> well i'll move us swiftly on um something
3: more oh, cheerful
1: something more cheerful i'm gonna move on to stellantis i think so I'll, I'll do a you uh beck there's two stories in one here well no it's not yes. really two stories in one it's one story and a comment piece yeah Uh, But our dear leader, James, had a wide-ranging chat with Stellantis UK's new boss, um, which I think he had quite a a while ago, but it was embargoed until yesterday. Um, So this is... in, In preparation for this, he spoke to a lot of Stellantis dealers, and most of them are or have been quite unhappy for various different reasons. So one of which... Uh, A few dealers said to us they haven't paid their bonuses yet, so late payment of bonuses. Um, There was the debacle with the forced registration of vehicles that were still stuck in ports. There was a massive distribution um, issue a few weeks, months ago, um, where cars were sat there in various ports around the UK and didn't make it to dealers, and dealers were being asked to register them, and customers were being asked to start paying for them before they'd even got them. There's the the slight question mark over all the, the scientist brands. Are there too many? Are the products actually what people are looking for at the moment? Or certainly are they the right price? You know, um, I think a couple of a couple of dealers said they were, you know, the big scientist brands, I'm guessing like Vauxhall, Citroen, et cetera, are falling behind Kia and MG, which is not a situation they thought they would be in. Um, so this was an interview with uh their she the MD? UK boss Maria Grazia Divino. And surprisingly, she was actually very apologetic and very open um, with us in terms of the, the situation and all the things that she's been working on and et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, the headline we've got is we got things wrong. And for that, I'm sorry, which is you can't be more open than that. Um, But it was a a really interesting interview. And as James was saying to me, it was a shame, actually, or I think he says it in the comment piece, it's a shame that they didn't let us record it because actually she came across very well um, and would have probably quelled quite a lot of uh, disquiet across the network. Um, But she really has been trying hard. I mean, she's been visiting, she visited 60 dealers across the UK in her Mm -hmm. first few weeks, which is not something the previous Boss Paul Wilcox did, you know. I think some some dealers accused him of hiding or being invisible um, around the time that he performed massive cuts on the network. Um, so apparently, the cuts are now over. That's it. So she says there will be no more. Um, but the other interesting thing is when she was going around the country, she says she's seen the consequences of of the decisions. I mean, it's not decisions she made necessarily. Um, but in in touring around the UK, she's seen empty Stellantis dealerships, empty, empty Citroen dealers, empty Peugeot dealers, etc. Um And it, she said, I would never like to lose a dealer. I sometimes saw an empty space that had been left and territory uncovered. And this is something that no one tells you because you don't start from the holes and open points, you don't understand the geographic locations that are not covered as a consequence of dealers exiting. So it sounds like there's a lot of humble pie being eaten here. And we, we've illustrated mm. this with a lot of photos of her going around and visiting smiling dealers, which is quite a nice um, quite a nice result of uh, her appearance. What did you think of this, Chaplin?
2: Um, I had two favourite things about this. Uh, mm. The first one was the quote which i was trying to find exactly what it was from one of the dealers because james went out and um asked all these dealers all these problems and he had all these anonymous quotes and one of them was jeep what's the point <laughs> um which i loved which yeah
1: i'm sorry um, to any jeep dealers who
2: are listening you can you if it's definitely definitely worth reading both this story and the comment piece that james wrote because the um the points from the dealers which are all anonymous Mm. Uh, scathing I'm, I'm making a very interesting read he was very disappointed that he can't be here today to talk about this story and my other favorite thing was the fact that as you say it was an embargoed story and for it to come out on the same day with the headline i'm sorry as we had um if you saw in the roundup in the morning boris johnson saying i'm sorry <laughs> So it was a very apologetic day
1: Absolutely, that's an unfortunate coincidence. Mm. The other, the other thing I will highlight in this um, slightly more boring point is that she, where she really sees um, promise in the face of tough competition from Chinese brands such as MG, will um, is Voxel. She reckons, she says, Voxel will become the star. I take decisions, and the potential is there with Voxel, and there is no reason why I will not use it. So I think that's because she wants, in fact, she wants Vauxhall to help her position the UK as the number one Stellantis market on a global scale. So Vauxhall is not dead for anyone who's listening. It's mm. not being quietly forgotten about. She's going to use that. I'm not quite sure what she's going to use. She's going to use something.
2: Well, I mean, looking at the market as a whole, the fact that they've still got Corsa, mm. and I think the E eCorsa is excellent. I saw one parked on someone's drive the other day, plugged in, and so just...
3: It's a great. It's car. excellent,
1: but expensive. It's yes, in the face of MG,
3: that's
1: true. Over to Will.
3: No, it was. Uh, I think fair play to Maria. Um, funny you mentioned Boris there, because my initial thought when I read the story is at least she's not being a politician about it um, and trying to, <laughs> you know. And, hey, we're humans. Uh, we do things. We make mistakes, and as long as you hold your hands up afterwards. Um, I think you've got to praise praise Maria for that. Um, it was. I think the story line was it's not about apologising though. It's about the actions taken. I think mm. is what she said. Yeah. So, people want action. You know, my 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 sort of uh, view on her is she's she's moved up my my favourites list as as people in the industry for for her comments. So respect for that. But having spoke to some friends who represent them brands over the last dare I say, 24 months, there seems to be a lot of unhappy Citroën, Fiat dealers, etc. Um, now, there's always two sides of the story, so you kind of take it a little bit with a pinch of salt because you don't fully understand it. Um, it's not brands you represent, but when you rightly you say uh, you know, you're know, you going to do the odd dealer visit to, you, to other places to pick up a part when you're passing or you've possibly done a dealer transfer on a, sorry, bought a used vehicle off them, and there has been empty showrooms, and you're thinking, ah, well, this kind of continue um so to hear that it has been happening uh at other places because you think is it just that dealers not doing a job for them uh, You you don't know the full full picture but obviously the story sort of backs everything up now uh, but i just think when you've got so many brands as such under one umbrella it's got to be messy and there's got to be waste um mm. you know if, you, if you're if you running a, a voxel Peugeot, Citroen, Shuren with three very similar cars, three demos, three courtesy cars, three sets of standards, three lots of bulletins. Ah, it's got to be a lot of plates to spin. Um, so I can see what this, why I want to do it and try and grow volume and use this brand to help our brand. But could it become too messy, um, too complex would be my concern. But dare I say not my not my responsibility, not our brands. So I can kind yeah. of let them get on with that. Um, but interestingly, as you say about Vauxhall, you know, you used to look at, at the SMMT registrations going back a few years and it was always Vauxhall versus Ford at the top, trying to pinch market share. And the whole thing just seems so different nowadays. And as you say, we're, we're Chinese brands and not just MG. You've obviously, I know there's a lot of other ones now starting to try and make a bit of headwind. It'll be interesting to see what it looks like in two or three years' time. And I think there'll be, I think there'll be a lot more changes to come yet. Yeah, we've
1: not really seen the half of it, have we? I mean, even across Europe, there's a lot more Chinese brands than there are here. Hmm. We'll see. Over to Rebecca.
2: I'm. I'm going to make a quick other point on that, and then oh, wrap it into another story. Sorry. Um, one of the points that uh, Maria also made was about how she's pushing back their agency sales. Um. Yes. To 2026. She was actually in her previous role in charge of putting together all these packages for the whole of europe um and she's basically said like we're not ready for this it doesn't it doesn't work at the moment like we, we are going to do it but we need to get to a better point um so another story we had this week was and i'm this is not i don't think massively new news i know that, what you're going to um, say yeah Suzuki i had this on my Wyatt does not think, think the agency tells of the future but i did think it was interesting the point you made that A lot of manufacturers don't, or he thinks manufacturers don't appreciate that dealers are actually an asset to them. They see he's saying in this, he sees them as um, a supplier or like just another person to work with, but not a partner like they should. And actually that dealers bring a lot of um, positives to the table. Um, And yeah, I just, I sort of think it's echoed those two things when you read Maria's thing. She it feels like she sees the benefit of the dealer network, which maybe previous management sort of were keeping them at arms length. I don't know what mm. you two think about that, but that's sort of what I picked up from that story.
1: Yeah, I mean, I as you say, this this Dale Wyatt thing. This is um, he's echoing effectively what he said last year. No, it was this mm. year. Oh God, months earlier this year <laughs> at our Car dealer live conference. Um, you know, he he effectively said to us, "Agency is not for me." I would have to change so even if I wanted to do it which I don't I would have to change so many things I'd have to I think he said I'd have to fire my in almost my entire executive team and replace Mm -hmm. them with a you know one that's more retail focused fire me replace me with Dash Gupta you know all these sorts of things um and he's echoed that in it's in Cox Automotive's latest insight report isn't it and he's he Mm -hmm. said some manufacturers view the dealer as a cost and they want to use agency to effect a knowledge and relationship transfer. So in other words, they're using agency sales as a sort of mask for taking over control, which is a yeah, which is a statement we've heard before, isn't it? Um but yeah, he, he thinks car dealers are the embodiment of the brands they represent. Um I mean, we've got a Suzuki dealer with us. So <laughs>
3: Oh, I was worried where this conversation Mike, went when you said Dale, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, oh, "Could be under <laughs> the spotlight," eh? but no. Hey, look, Dale's a phenomenal uh, franchise leader. If, uh, and the fact I've just said they use the word leader, they're not manager or director. Mm. Um, he is a leader. Um, he's got he's got that brand well oiled. Uh, he's got some exceptional staff, um, and the agency thing again. I, funny enough, I had noted uh, agency. Um, I forgot to mention it there on Stellantis, it's got taken away. Look, me and it feels like I use the word comfort when Dale says all this stuff about agencies not for us. Uh, because I think there's still a lot of fear around it as a dealer. And nobody's kind of went black and white with margins. This is how it would look. And I think, you know, ultimately, if you could get the same return as a dealer, why would you be bothered? Um, as long as you're getting a return, then... You've got that comfort. It's it's fear. Agency, to me, is a fear factor of how does it look, how does it work financially. Um, am I safe under contract? Can I get terminated instantly, etc. Um, But I think what the manufacturing, I think this is what Dale's alluding to, is I think, and I think Maria sounds like she's alluding to it as well, is the amount of stuff that we do behind the scenes. And what I mean by that is local sponsorship to to. It's after the sounds coffee mornings through to local sponsorship of football teams, um, through to somebody's, you know, they've got a rattle on the dashboard on a brand new car and the manufacturer doesn't cover it after 12 months. Um, you, they've spent 20, 25,000 pounds with you. You fix it under mm-hmm. goodwill as a dealer because that customer's had three or four new vehicles off you. Suddenly, if, the, if you're thinking, well, I can't justify that cost anymore uh, from a goodwill point of view, it, does it become a bit of us and them as a put the word partnership? I feel mm. could disappear quite quickly. Uh, you know where we've we've got to keep promoting the brands, and uh, we've got to control over the used stock pricing, which again is an important part of any any franchise business. And that's what I mean. You go back to the word fear. There's too much unknown and uncertainty. And I've just, I've done a little bit of research on it uh, with the prestige brand that I tried it, and I don't see them selling more cars. Um. So I don't think I'd like to think it'll never happen because I don't think it needs to happen. But again, it's out of my control. Sadly,
1: I can I can see it never happening with Suzuki because I think Suzuki Suzuki I always think is quite a unique thing unto itself, isn't it? Because I, apart from agency, I always harp on about local dealers and how important local dealers are, as you say. You know, because aside from doing stuff in the local community and looking after um yeah it's it's that sort of thing it's it's customers don't necessarily want to go and deal with a big anonymous dealer brand do they particularly when they're not anywhere near a a big town or city but the thing i always find surprising about suzuki is how many dealers they've got i mean the you know in our list of i've just had a look in our list that i believe rebecca chaplin compiled of how many dealerships there are in the uk suzuki is quite high up the list 149 dealers in 2022. That's more than BMW, Citroen, Sayat, Skoda, Audi, Land Rover. You know, that's it's, they've got a lot of a lot of outlets, so they they're very good at having a big network, aren't they? Despite being relatively low volume, so I guess that's all part of their their plan, really, isn't it? They they don't want to do these big gym palaces thirty
3: miles away from everyone. They want to be local and integrated. Yeah, you can have You know, the beauty is you can pick the phone up to deal. And speak to them, and not be feared to pick the phone up and speak to any of the directors. Um, mm. You look at NFDA surveys, uh, I'd be astonished if you can find Suzuki out the top four for the last ten years, if not longer. Mm. Um, I know, I know, uh, I know. Kia seems to so always, was always, Lexus pinch pinches that top spot. Um, but Suzuki, you know, being a small franchise as such, you say 149 dealers. I I, I guarantee, if you rang 140 of them. They'd all say yes, we're very happy. And you might have nine that oh, it's having a couple of challenges. Um, but back to the way they've got it set up, it's not broken. Um, and we've just got so much confidence with, with the brand, to be honest. And we were as a, before the this uh, uh, this podcast. I know we had a brief chat there about being at the Suzuki conference, uh the, the plan they've got for new product and the way they're gonna bring it in, um, in terms of at what point of these vehicles, it just makes so much sense. And, and you know we've all come away from from the conference i think very happy i've not spoken to a dealer to come away concerned. so again credit where credit's due mm, that all
2: sounds very um, positive yeah i i know i'm saying things that are so obvious but it just always amazes me how unusual car dealerships are and i was just trying to think about if there is actually anything else that operates in the same way where you've got specialists who can offer you one product or they can offer you another new product. Or if that doesn't work for you, they can offer you a, a refurbished version. Like you wouldn't go into the Apple store and you go, oh, it's actually a bit expensive, this iPhone 13 or 14, whatever it is now. And they go, oh well, come over here and we have a whole range of everything that's completely not our brand as well. Or or why do you come over here and there's a, a mm-hmm. Samsung like I suppose maybe Carphone warehouse, but they're not, they don't sell it like it's not the brand, is it? You're not, you're not the brand in that showroom or in that
3: yeah independence to a degree
2: so in on the one hand i can see why they're like why are we doing it this way this is so unusual and strange but on the other hand
1: there's a reason why you're doing it that way yeah there must be
2: so many um, sales that are made off the back of the fact that these franchises often have something else they can offer Mm. if actually that product doesn't work for them
0: we'll be right back the car dealer podcast is sponsored by Saleslink from jato a market insight tool that's purpose-built for franchise car dealers. Get analysis on thousands of new vehicle transactions every month from all the major brands. See model mix and trim data for the brands you sell, as well as competitor data, all in the free web-based platform. It lets you track vehicle option uptake, color preferences, and gives detailed data on pricing and discounts. Sign up for your free SalesLink account today Visit jato.com slash sales link to start unlocking your market insights.
1: Okay, Uh, I will... This is very awkward for us to talk about James's project when he's not here, but I'm going to talk about... Yeah, also
2: because I've not watched the new video yet, but I feel like I've heard enough about it.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, in this week's episode of... the AI car dealership project forgot the name there (laughs) Um, James has been off pitching it to various different people one of which is one of whom is Mike Brewer Um, so we went off to Mike Brewer's house that we do every year you know just for a a knees up um, and also to record some bits for used car awards and James sat down and pitched it to Mike not having told Mike um, what the idea was or anything like that and got Mike's reaction on James the man who's never sold a car in his life starting a car dealership um so it was quite an interesting video and quite an interesting reaction from Mike I think what I found surprising is and I will leave I won't tell say too much about the video um but generally the reaction from everyone has been very positive and very kind of yeah that's a, a really good idea actually yeah go on and do that because I always think James has a slight habit and you might agree with me on this uh, Rebecca he has a slight habit of coming back from a meeting and going, Yeah, they really loved it. It was doing really, really well. Everyone's, yeah, they were over the moon when they might have just said perhaps, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. reasonable <laughs> idea. So yeah. it's nice to be in the room when these people actually say yes, that is a good idea. Mm. Um and I also so-
2: think I um it shows how negative my friends in the industry are in comparison, because <laughs> when I told people he was going to do this, they all went. Why would you do that? <laughs> that is a terrible idea. Trying to set up a used car dealership at the moment. Um,
1: well, I will say there's a, there's a little but... bit of that. So, I mean, Mike did say perhaps <laughs> not doing it at the best possible time. Um, but you know, on the positives, you've sort of said you've got to really put your heart into it, and you've you've got to plan it all out and know what you're doing before you start doing it. So, hopefully, that is the case. We can't see inside James's brain, but no. <laughs> hopefully it will go okay. Um, so yes, see, he well? went to see Mike Brewer. He also went to see um, a dealer in Glastonbury called the Avalon Motor Company, which, funnily enough, an ex Citroen dealer I think, uh, mm. which is now a sort of used car supermarket. So they gave him some tips, and then finally went off to his local dealer, which is uh, or his local franchise dealer, which is Fine Cars, which is a Kia and Sangyong. Uh, franchise because it's occurred to him that he might need somewhere to prep cars or some some person to prep cars or MOT them, and also possibly somewhere to store them. So there's a bit of negotiations going on. Um, so worth worth a look if only for Mike Brewer's uh, reaction, which is quite amusing. Um, but yes, keep keep updated as it goes on because it's sure to get hairier from here. <laughs>
2: I want to
1: know
3: what you forward. think. Will oh, on. What, have you watched these, um, Will? I haven't watched them yet. I did listen to the last was it last week's podcast uh, where it was was being discussed, um, and my initial thought and in vision was Clarkson's fall. That, that's what sprung <laughs> to mind. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, so I've, I've read read the uh, read the story a couple of days ago because so I thought, well, actually, where is this going? And I didn't know if it was a story about how AI is going to influence the industry. I don't know if it was just a bit of razzmatazz, James getting excited uh, with an idea, or if you he's can actually going for those things, this. yeah. Um, so I'm intrigued as to where this is actually going to. Uh, uh, this, I mean, this is a compliment, but I'm sort of treating this a bit like a soap TV show. Where, where's this going to actually <laughs> go to? Um, and I just kind of, I keep picturing, as I say, Clarkson's farm with James car dealership, but being powered by AI as such. Um, so. I'm very intrigued. Um so I need to know That's who's going like. what
2: what's his um what's Clarkson's like assistant called? Caleb. Caleb who's going to be James's Caleb who like I
1: knew you were going to say that. I think the, I think there's some I think John nothing that may fall on you on your yeah.
2: shoulders. <laughs> John's very good at the disappointed face of just like <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> why. <laughs> no, I think it needs me to come in and go why are you doing that? in a in a West Country accent, yeah. which I won't try and affect on the podcast. Um so Will, have you had a play around with any AI bits and pieces?
3: Yeah, um we we use it as a for a, a live chat functionality um and very quickly I am sort of criticizing myself but in a positive way when I tell you this, um we we have to have live chat um but trying to man it with the business of our size was difficult. Um, and then at nighttime we we don't have the 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 fac- with well, I wouldn't say that uh, we just didn't have the personnel to do it properly. Um, which I think if you're going to do something with like social media ex- that sort of thing, you do it properly or you don't do it at all. Mm. Um, so we took a third party company on, it. to be fair, they were limited, and they were just sadly just doing data capture for us, uh, which is all they had the skill to do. We then introduced the AI version, uh, which specializes in the motor trade, and. You, basically I was like well how does it actually work and they basically just pull off data from like the so cap code and cap data and use it in that respect Um, we don't see a lot of leads but because I think what it's doing is it's answering them initial questions and then the, the consumers then going on to um call action bit buttons within the facility but I read the transcripts weekly um, to see what people are asking, what I'm finding is it's a great tool to understand what customers want to know that you're not providing them with the information, and as I say, we've been running for 104 years. We've had a website since www.originated. originated, mm. and I cannot believe the mistake we'd made. And it was we'd never displayed number of owners on used vehicles. Um, <laughs> we just totally overlooked it, and that's why I'm saying about criticizing ourselves. Um, the field was always there, but we just didn't have it put on. So um, and then the live chat was picking that up. Um, so we quickly done a bit of mapping in the background and people asking how many owners how many owners and the AI was saying I don't have that information I'll contact the sales team now we can provide that information um, so it's good to help understand what the, and I think as the journey changes back to electric cars um, as people are asking questions about that you're finding out what consumers want to know um, so I think, I think it's got its place uh, I'd hate to think it would ever take over the whole business but um, that's where we're at with it I'm quite comfortable with it in that position. Um, hmm. What else can I do in the future? Um, things like the warranty was a good example. People were asking, what warranty do we get? Back to my point before, we offer a 12-month one regardless. So straight away, the AI bot could go back with that information very quickly as opposed to uh, them having to go through various tabs and read up. Um, so I, I think it's it's very good as long as it's used in the, in the right manner.
1: Hmm.
3: Not to set up a dealership, but... I'll hold judgment on that one
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i've i i can not speak for james on on his plans on how far he wants to, to use ai but i think i think the thing is to use it as a tool isn't it it's it's never gonna well it might one day replace this entirely but at the minute it's using it within the means that you can use it for like your live chat i'm i'm guessing when people log on they don't it's it becomes quite apparent they're not speaking to a, a car salesman
3: you Know, yeah, it's, it's our opening sentence is, 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 open is uh, I think it's called Lisa, um, the virtual assistant. Which that was the to be honest, we were like, we were playing around with names, should we call it the uh Black Shows Badger Works Through the Night? Of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> make a bit of a mascot, but we're like, I think we're over, we're over cooking this a little bit. Um, and virtual Lisa was the, 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 the standard parameter when it was set up, and we just left it as virtual Lisa, so. Um.
1: Hmm
3: yeah she sure. doesn't she doesn't complain too much to hr either so we're oh, well. <laughs> always a bonus yeah.
1: yes we'll keep an eye on our progress with that um that's all i have to say and hopefully james will be back next week to extol the virtues of ai and how positive all the meetings he's had have been oh, well. Chaplin, over to you Tom-
2: I'm going to move on with some breaking news, which I just realized was published two minutes into our podcast. Very exciting news. I'm just not, trying not to sound too happy. The headline is, Outspoken Kazoo founder Alex Chesterman finally bows out of used car dealer. So, no. um, yeah, today Alex Chesterman has, <laughs> you can tell James has written this story as well, um, starts with, Alex Chesterman, the outspoken founder of online used car dealership Kazoo, has finally stepped down. Um, so... It says in this story that the former CEO was said to be retiring, along with four other directors who stepped down at the same time. Mary Riley is the only board member who is remaining with the firm. Um, And it's now going to be chaired by Tim Isaacs, who is an accountant with a background in fund management. Um, It's a day we never thought would come.
1: No. Well, that is just an indication that Kazoo is not the same company that it was.
2: Yes, exactly what I thought.
1: It's all changed, doesn't it? Completely different operate. Well, apart from the logo and the, you know, sponsorships, yeah. things like that. Very different company from what it was. James will be kicking himself that he's not here to talk about it.
2: Yes, definitely.
1: <laughs> mm, that's uh, very interesting. So, what do you make of
3: retired then?
2: Well, we'll see what he does next. Maybe the new
3: could be the Lucas manager next. <laughs> <laughs> there we go.
2: Yes,
1: we've solved two mysteries in one.
2: hashtag hashtag not seeing that on the record (laughs) (laughs) Um, I never yeah it obviously goes into a lot of detail about um, what's gone on um, and about how it listed on the New York Stock Exchange in 2021 for 11.6 million um, no sorry for a 7 billion valuation to an 11.6 million valuation today that's a decline of 99.9% in less than 2.5 years
1: lovely (laughs) That's a winning, a winning amount. James
2: has really gone to town on this story.
1: So I see. I mean, mm. what does this, what does this mean for Kazoo in the long term? Then, I mean, is this? Does it? I don't know if this makes me more confident about it or less confident about it. Because I don't know. I'm Funnily really...
2: enough, I was thinking about Kazoo this morning, and I still don't think. And this is because um, Jack was taking his car to be MOT'd, which I and he
1: bought from Kazoo.
2: Bought from Kazoo. I was thinking about. And he bought his car because he really needed a car at the time. And it was the easiest way to get one really fast. And that works for some people. I just think their aspiration to I can't remember what the percentage of the market they wanted, was just like insane.
1: Mm. I- well, they saw that they saw the market as almost completely untapped, didn't they? Yes. As though everyone was very unhappy with the way that they were buying cars and had been buying them for the last, I don't know, 120 years that was their logic was that it was they would come in and everyone would go oh that's a much 100 percent better way of doing it um we will all go and buy Mm. our cars from kazoo rather than a a normal dealer Mm.
2: but yeah i just Uh, don't think there's it needed to be as big as it was and this slightly smaller version might work slightly better
1: so basically we're back to our prediction from a few months ago which is or a year ago which is kazoo will continue to exist but on a much smaller size and it will just become a car supermarket interesting okay well keep an eye on that news as it develops um (laughs) shall i move us on yeah i'm actually slightly running out of stories um we've sort of touched on this already but I, i will talk about there's probably about three stories in one here again, which is the used car prices,
0: mm. which
1: James would kill me if I didn't talk about on this podcast. Um, so I'll start with Auto Trader have said that used car prices have fallen for the third month in a row, as EVs in particular um continue to struggle. So the retail price index for November saw used car prices fall for the third month in a row. Um and, yeah, it's it's not looking great. Uh, used car prices have fallen on their platform 2.5% in November compared to October, so that's a reasonable jump down. Compared to November last year, down 3.8%, and they've now fallen every month since August. Slight uh, issue we have talking about used car prices, and we have touched on this last month, is that we do get a lot of conflicting information from various different sources. So here's also traders saying they've fallen. On the other hand, Motors, previously Motors.co.uk, have reported that it's been a pretty stable month for used cars. What the two do agree on, though, is that people are looking for older cars. So in the cost of living crisis, the demand for older, cheaper cars has increased. That's what both of these platforms are saying. And I don't think anyone would necessarily disagree with that. Will, what are your
3: thoughts on that? I was hoping you wouldn't pick this story up because it's a wait <laughs> way to spoil spoil the end of a week, isn't it? And go into it, the weekend right. on a, ne- a negative, but uh, back to my point before consistency. Um and you know, we're selling everything from the sixty-four plate of gila through to a thirty five thousand uh, pound pickup truck. Um so we're seeing a lot of there's no there's no sort of um what's the words I'm looking for, sort of uh, average across it, uh, like a quick example. Last week we we had a a, a vehicle which is a, a plug-in hybrid, so not an electric, but obviously a hybrid uh, plug-in, and that had dropped from the start of November to the second week of November. Uh, it was six hundred pound. It had dropped from a cap average price point of view. So I'm sitting there thinking, well, common sense would say if it's dropped that much, it's going to drop another three four hundred quid by the end of the month. And there's a thousand pound taking it off. Off, off our site a little bit. We had an auditor Are in um, doing the the funding audit, and he just come away from a, a prestige brand uh, the day before, whom stocks over a hundred vehicles used, with that depreciations of two to three thousand pound per vehicle in the last month. Pro rata that that's two three hundred thousand pounds worth of your stock dropped. That's frightening, and so luckily we, because we've got so much range, uh, we're seeing a couple hundred quid at one one end to £600, £700 on some vehicles, through some vehicles which are static, because we've got such a, a range, but back to my point, uh, we've written a new report to control the valuations. December I always think a funny month. Um, we're seeing more valuations done on our website, and website traffic, right enough backing up what you're seeing of people pricing up a vehicle for a slightly cheaper vehicle, which would indicate they want the monthly payments to come down. Um, it's, It's just head scratcher and I think you've just got to it's back to turning your stock quickly because as long as you're turning your stock quickly um then it doesn't become as much of a problem so you kind of control the market as such what you can control is how quickly you're turning your stock and I think that's what you've got to put your focus on not what's the valuation going to do next month because if you've got that car gone within 30 days it's not a problem as, as much but even in two weeks you can see it, quite a large valuation drop so it's that's why i said i don't want to talk about the story because <laughs> it's a, it 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 is it's so scary what could happen quite quickly um mm. by um that's people's opinion well people's opinions but uh what valuations are coming out at um by other age, like other companies so it's out of your control a little bit in mm. that respect um, if that makes any sense so, yeah,
1: yeah. It does, and <laughs> as you say, it's it's difficult to like. It, you want to hold firm, but at the same time, yeah, it's the best. The best thing is just turn the stock over. That's exactly what everyone's been telling James, um, which is handy for him because he hasn't bought any yet. Uh, <laughs> but that seems to be the thing: is you know, get rid of it, get return yeah. it over quickly. That's the best way.
3: But then, John, if if you if you're confident and and you know, I kind of take the credit for this. i use like used car manager. He came and he says, oh, I've just bought another five Suzukis." my sister who looks after the pennies, I'm terrible for spending money on on projects. She tries to look after the money and our face just dropped, but he says, look, I've got so much confidence that these will sell quickly in January. And I got them cheap because no, because obviously the the prices are dropping. He says, I guarantee, yeah, these will go into next year with 30 days in stock and end up being six, potentially 60 days in stock cards, but he's confident that if you're buying them at this point, so Sometimes you've got to be a little bit risky as well, um, take a, take a roll of the mm. dice. But I guess it's easy for the use card manager to spend spend other people's money. But uh, we trust him. He does a <laughs> he does, a, he, does a, he does a superb job for us. And I think, to be honest, if I had to buy the stock, I don't think I'd ever buy any stock. I'd be too scared to buy stock. I'd never have any. I'd be oh, that looks expensive. That's risky. So it's probably probably why it works quite well that he's he's buying it for us.
2: Mm. Um. Shall I move us on to the next story? Because it's sort of related. Which is my last one and then I'll shut up. Um <laughs> but this is the news that Virtue issued a trading update this week, downgrading its forecast due to a negative market factors. Um, basically saying that falling used car prices and new car supply outpacing demand um lean- is leading them to slash their forecasts. I will do a very quick run through of what they've actually, the numbers, because I'm sure this probably goes in one ear and out the other when you're listening to a podcast. Um, but Zeus Capital lowered its virtue uh, financial year 24 forecast by 8 million to 39.3 million and 2025 by 3.2 million to 48.6 million. Uh, while Liberium cuts its um, 2024 forecast by 17% and 2025 by 12 percent but the fact that the new car supply seems to be a real problem at the moment and i think when you look at the um like the details on the auto trader and the motors story about how there is quite a lot of new car supply coming into the market and that is pushing down use values for these cars that are younger than a year Mm. and that's what's making this whole whole thing go down as i know you mentioned um But it does seem to be a problem that's sort of like this isn't going to go away because manufacturers aren't all of a sudden going to go pull the plug and be like oh no this has been really bad that we've got all this new car supply again Mm. um so i think it's going to be interesting to see how it does play out over the the next few months um even things like i don't know if you noticed that um there were well i think it was two stories i did and that's the reason i noticed it but the jeep compass came out as one of the fastest selling cars from both auto trader and um motors in the last few weeks which i was like that's really strange yeah but then you start thinking well actually maybe the who's buying a load of well yeah <laughs> i know um and why are they buying them so fast but i just wonder if there's been sort of this flood of jeep compass hybrids coming into the market and that's why all of a sudden there's loads of them available who knows but um I don't know, it just seems like there's a lot of weird cars doing very well at the moment.
1: Or like the Prius Plus, for example.
2: Yes. Two months
1: as the fastest selling one for some... Which trader. I
2: can kind of understand, but then also, like, I just, I don't know why so many people would buy it.
1: I assume that's taxis.
2: Yeah, but then... I mean, that's a lot but of But those, uh, those of fastest
1: values. selling things are always slightly peculiar lists, I think, not to. I know, because it could be not like 10,000. People that write them, but I, yeah, I think that's a slightly... I think
2: there is a minimum number that they used before they include them, but mm. it's probably like a thousand cars or something.
1: Yeah, it, it tends to be really obscure things like. Sorry, will Mitsubishi ASXs suddenly appear in there, and you know all that sort of stuff? <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I've got a, I've
3: got a nice red one in stock. If anyone's listening, well, not birthday. for long,
1: probably. <laughs> I imagine. Um, but just just going back to the new car supply thing, I I was thinking about new car supply the other day, as as one often does, but do. washing up or whatever. Um, but we we spent quite a long time, and I know the pandemic has broken my brain in terms of when things were. But I, it felt like for ages we were doing podcasts and car Live lives saying when will the used car pricing bubble burst and mm. people were saying it's not going to burst it won't burst because you're going to have three years of no um no cars whatsoever in the market because of the pandemic and that's going to continue and we're not going to see the end of this for some time and it just feels like we are beginning to maybe see the end of it now mm. you know i've just talked about used car prices this is talking about sudden influxes in Uh, new car supply that that is going to change again in the next however many months isn't it as um, or months and years as evs make up a bigger and bigger proportion um, perhaps you could say an artificial amount of evs being produced um, to bulk out the co2 blah 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 targets um you know all that sort of stuff there's, there's a lot of flux coming our way isn't there in terms of mm. new car supply
2: and we we desperately need it <laughs> excuse me is the problem because there are so many dealers still saying to me like there's not enough used cars out there i can't buy enough used cars we need all these new cars in the market so they flood through and mm. and become used cars in a few years but all of a sudden well, I think they're going to be the right new cars
1: again. is a different matter though that's true Hmm. well thoughts <laughs> we're, re-
3: <laughs> we're really killing this friday vibe aren't we <laughs> if i'm totally honest i think we've we could get ourselves in a very challenging situation i think there's a, so many influences um around this and what i mean by that is so used cars as you rightly say used cars were getting stronger and stronger so people they're say have possibly paid higher higher prices than what the Cars would have been traditionally um, and from a, a cost versus a new vehicle at that time. You then fast forward a bit and you've got, as we, sounds like a broken record a little bit now, cost a uh, living crisis with gas and electric. I feel that's absorbed a little bit. But then on top of that, you've now got uh, these mortgage increases for a lot of people who lose a bit of disposable income through that. And then you've got the price of new cars and you look at the price of a new car versus what the same car would have been maybe five years ago. And the price of new cars through various, again, reasons, um, shipping costs, uh, material costs, a new car. On top of that, you've got the the APRs. And I just think the gap now is so, so big. And obviously manufacturers, not just our brands, um, which I think they've done a, a good job, but they've had to start building new cars and have the potentially overcooked how many new cars are coming in. And I just don't think the buyers are there for them, sadly, because people aren't in a position to afford to change or see the, the benefits of changing a new car. Um, but then the manufacturer are going to then have to do something. Um, it wouldn't be a podcast without Tesla creeping into the conversation. Um, you know, we, we know they're dropping their prices. The pressure then on manufacturers from cafe regulations, you know, they're going to have to stack pricing up on, non-electric vehicles i feel to absorb the potential fines they might get to or to generate the income to put towards selling electric cars through consumer mm. offers it's an absolute storm of a mess potentially like we're i think the beauty is over the last few years as a as an industry though i think we're so resilient and we 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 do change as quickly as we need to uh, we combated the the lockdown situation uh, we've all adapted to selling cars online more um so i think we will we'll always work our way through it but there's a lot a lot of outside influences affecting this uh, but you're right new cars will have to be made because the factories have got to keep making cars the manufacturers have got to exist it's then how do we make them look attractive price wise to the consumer to buy the new car and then that obviously then affects the used car price i think you're right i think the used cars will continue to come down and I think the manufacturers will then have to make the new cars more attractive and I think we'll be back to where we used to be um, in not the not too distant future um, of, I hate the word, pre-reg and might start creeping back into conversations uh, in the not too distant future
1: mm. Well certainly at the minute it seems to be fleets taking the brunt of it doesn't it, but mm-hmm. it's not always going to be the solution Anyway, shall I shall I move us on to my final story? It's a nice story, you'll be thrilled to hear. Yay. So this is a car dealership worker who has been given an award for saving a customer's life after they had a heart attack in the showroom. Um, so this is an award from the British Heart Foundation. Um, it was a Peter Vardy dealership in Scotland, Peter Vardy, Jaguar Land Rover Aberdeen, um, and Stuart McCreeth's, administered life-saving CPR to Stephen Smith when he went into cardiac arrest um, in the showroom. So the hero is a 36-year-old parts advisor, um, and he got out the showroom's defibrillator um, and managed to keep him him alive until paramedics arrived at the scene. So he's been named a hero, a heart hero is the name of the award, at the British Heart Foundation's Heart Hero Awards, uh, which was on Wednesday in London. Um, so that's jolly nice, isn't it? This is the second story we've seen like this. I think we had one a couple of years ago about a mm. Nissan dealer employee. Um, so this just shows, doesn't it? I think we, uh, after that story happened, there was a bit of a a wave of uh, dealers saying, right, that's good. We're going to put in a in a defibrillator, which is a word I can't say, <laughs> in our dealerships, um, and maybe the same will happen from this one, which is can only be a good thing.
2: Mm. And if you don't have one in your dealership, you can download an app which tells you exactly where the nearest defibrillator, I can't say either, is to you. If you are in a situation where someone needs one um, and you don't know where the nearest one is, you can find that information online. I'd really
3: really preach to those that are listening who haven't got one, please go and get one. And hopefully it's the biggest waste of money in the respect that you'll never need it. But they're not Mm -hmm. a lot of money, for the cost of a life. Uh, we've got one on both at both showrooms uh, sadly a couple of um close connections have sadly passed away due to heart hot attack stroke heart conditions um and as I say, we've never needed them I hope we never ever need them but for what the what the cost is if there's one thing you're gonna do, go and get one and I'd pledge anyone to to make that commitment to to get one
1: um well that sounds like a good note to end on um mm. so. Will, uh, are there any stories this week you think we have missed?
3: Yes, yes. Oh, oh. Yes. It's, Isn't like it
1: very... it's very annoying.
3: No, um, there's a story about um, Shameless Pluck, the NADA trip. Um, luckily, I've been to NADA a couple of times over the years. Um, both times I ended up in San Francisco. In fact, it's in Vegas, is, and I've been to Vegas, and it's my 40th next year. I'm, I'm definitely going. Um, hopefully with the car dealer crew, but I, I might get a sneaky invite by another door. But uh, if that doesn't come off, I've I've committed to being going. But if you've never been to Narda, um I forgetting the package price. I think it started just over two thousand pound. Yeah, it's two thousand pound. It's not a cost; it's an investment. You, I guarantee, if you go, you'll not come. You will not not come back revved up for for uh, for the rest of the year. And you will generally get so revved up with ideas. You'll sell more cars off the back of it. It's a genuine investment. The fact it's in Vegas is just absolutely awesome. Um, and the fact that you can go with like minded people, it'll be such an experience. And if you've hummed and hard or you're on the fence about it, um, just make the commitment and just get signed up and go because you'll have the best time ever. Um, and I think Becca said I'd get a free invite if I mentioned that or something.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if five people buy it from that, then. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but no, um, it's, a, it's, it's funny it's you say trip. that because
2: so um, it was actually seven uh sorry it was actually seven years ago that james and andy went um to nada and obviously off the back of that they came back and we got cdx so it, you're definitely right when it comes to people being revved up and going for the big ideas after a trip to nada
3: yeah so, so, makes so makes that was the story i felt you didn't plug enough
2: sorry i mean we i like- was gonna make it a really, really quick question, mention as well that Will was actually on the website this morning and I don't think we mentioned it because um, Blackshaws has been with Suzuki for 30 years, which is...
3: Um... Yeah, I was a little bit embarrassed about that because uh, we, we were sat at the back of the venue and I had it in my head, we were at 29 years, so I'd uh, taken the waistcoat off, the jacket off, I'd rolled the sleeves <laughs> up the next thing. I had to quickly go on the stage, uh, very unprofessional and looking a little bit... Yeah, I looked like a singer to be honest, not a <laughs> so I got caught caught out with that one. So
1: well, when in Tenerife. Was it in Tenerife?
3: That's right, yeah.
1: <laughs> ah, well, I like that kind of story. A nice plug for our services at the end. Um mm-hmm. so I'm gonna to have to ask you, who do you think chose the best stories? Who's the winner?
3: Um it's it's a tie of two stories as opposed to a tie of both years. So John's the winner, I'm afraid, Becca. Uh, firstly, again, hands up to, to Maria is holding the hands up. And uh, I think it was, you know, girl power and all that. Uh, and also Mr. Clarkson's uh, car dealer, uh, Mr. <laughs> uh, yeah, car dealership, sorry. You know, yeah. Italy's two stories. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with John with them two stories, I'm afraid.
0: Oh,
1: well. well
3: thank done. you. Kindly. I can't take any credit for that
1: because they're both James's stories. But. Um... Thank you kindly. James, if you're listening. I'm trying really hard to
3: get a free invite here, by the way.
1: <laughs> we can not tell kidding. at all. Well, on that note, uh, all that's left for me to say is thank you to Will for coming on and judging today. Um, it's been great to have you on. And we must make it not three years or whatever it's been since you were last on next time. Sounds good. Sounds good. And hopefully we'll see you on another trip. And thank you as well to Rebecca for competing and creating the podcast in the first place. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. So make sure you're subscribed so you can be notified when that goes live. If you want to check out the stories you mentioned today, you can click the links in the show notes below or head to uk. Thanks again. And until next time, goodbye.